0: Hello there, if this is your first time, welcome to Off Air. I'm Nick Stewart. Every week I get together with my good friend Tim Rubin. We like to dissect three big stories that are affecting Australians that maybe aren't getting the media coverage you would expect. Probably should address the elephant in the room. This one is two days late. We've had an absolute nightmare putting it together, so I apologise. But it's just in time for your four day weekend. So if you're doing a road trip, drive safe. Hope you have a fantastic Easter. Some meaty stories this week. We talk about, hey, hey, it's Saturday. Not a lot of the clips have aged very well. And how do you judge that and how do you put it in perspective? Plus, which TV shows are on air now that we don't think will age very well either? Tim wants to know if you should be able to personally sue police officers. It's a really interesting conversation. And it's something that I had never considered before. And thirdly, we reflect on a really special day that happened this week. Please get involved in our private Facebook group. It's Off Air Podcast Community. We love your thoughts and we love including them in the podcast. Enjoy.
1: What is our mandate? Tim Rubin. It's super creepy to reanimate somebody's dead father for their birthday. Nick Stewart. I really leaned into trying to get radicalised by ISIS. You're listening to Off Air. I believe it's this.
0: Let's go. Look, we're on. Look, We're doing it, Tim Rubin. It will make it work from
1: here. You're not a, Normally, when, I, when we're connected, I can see you in a fancy radio studio, and today you are at home. I know. What? I have been
0: in forced lockdown. It's been absolutely horrible, Tim. It's actually the second lockdown that's affected me of the pandemic, and the first one was the one we all had to do. So, really, I've gotten away pretty well with the whole thing. If you've been missing it at all or you don't live in the Brisbane region... Uh, Brisbane was plunged into a lockdown. One of the funniest wrinkles was due to a male stripper slash tradie going down to Byron Bay and taking part in a hens weekend and spreading it across. And this is how I really feel for this stripper tradie. Because he went straight from his hens party and then the next morning visited his grandma. Which is... I know. But he brought her the kiss of death. So... Hopefully, she survives, um, and hopefully, his stripper tradie money was worth it. But yes, I am locked in my house uh, until midday. So, until right now, the lockdown has ended,
1: uh, technically. How many many tradies do you think are copying it? Because uh, there's a large percentage of Queensland that is tradies, that are tradies? Um, Yeah,
0: not only that, but I would say nearly every second tradie that is on the Gold Coast is probably also a stripper. I don't know or if you've could been be to- because yeah. they're jacked and tatted. <laughs> exactly, and tanned. Yeah. So um, yeah, there's a f- there's been a few things going on. Uh, only one transmission today in the community, so we look all good. We're all going to wear masks
1: for the next two weeks, but it should be all right. We should be okay. Personally, as a Victorian, I'm enjoying this. I think it's quite nice that you guys get a little taste here and there. I don't think there's a lot of sympathy coming uh, towards you from my side of the border. And I would like to say, if you want to jump on a plane and uh, head to New South Wales and give them a little taste, let's keep keep the party going. (laughs) Well, I think we have from the
0: sounds of things a little bit. It has spread around uh, New South Wales a little bit. So hopefully, you know, come on, bring on that vaccine Uh, I think the federal government's only about 3 million vaccinated behind where they should be from the sounds of things. So hopefully we can speed that
1: process up and all get out of here by Christmas. They are rolling it out as they roll all things out, which is over budget and delayed. Yeah. But I think, I don't even know how, like, do you know how you mess this up? You know how many people are in the country. There's a census. We know how many doctors there are. I don't know how you get it so wrong, but they've managed to do it. Well... Tim, when you're busy masturbating on desks and taking
0: upskirt (laughs) photos of women and asking your wife if rape is bad, then
1: it's going to delay things, okay? (laughs) The Excel spreadsheet is hard to see when it's that murky and stained.
0: (laughs) 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 Story number one. In the news this week, uh, uh, Hey Hey It's Saturday has been getting a lot of attention, which is a show that hasn't been relevant for at least 25 years on Australian TV. Uh, it's a show that I definitely
1: watched growing up. I'm assuming you were a big watcher of it as well. I did. Yeah, it was a big part. I, I remember being a kid and you would look forward to it back in the days when television was on television. Um, and you you and your family would schedule your week. I remember like Survivor was a Wednesday night. And obviously, hey, hey, it's Saturday when you are six years old or something and don't have a social life yet that's a big exciting thing for you. So, yes, Hey Hey It's Saturday was a big part of my growing up. Uh, so, a little bit
0: earlier in the week, Dale Summers came out and made some some comments against cancel culture and PC culture and saying that Hey Hey It's Saturday probably wouldn't fly now. Since then, someone dug up all the really, really racist stuff that happened on Hey Hey It's Saturday. And Kamal, uh, who was a Malaysian-born famous Australian singer, came out and said that he actually felt incredibly uncomfortable during the filming. A lot of those scenes, specifically one where he was singing and Daryl Summers ran up and hit him in the face with white powder. I think it was flour. Uh, And then John Blackman, who played the character of Dickie knee, which was the little shaking head said, maybe now you'll be a real white guy. Um, So not stuff that aged very well. Um, it, there's been a bit of controversy. Daryl Summers has offered an apology. Kamala's accepted that. But he was more making the point that back in these times, mm-hmm. that was something that he felt as a person of color, he just had to accept to try to get some sort of exposure for his singing and didn't feel comfortable raising that point. John Blackman, the guy who played Dickie Knee, has not issued an apology. In fact, he's gone the other way and said if Kamal had an issue with it, he should have confronted him then. I think it raises a few interesting questions. But the first one I I guess I'd love to get your take on is... Are we heading in the right direction? I think it's a very obvious answer, but I'd love to hear your perspective in these
1: no longer existing. Yeah, things. yes, yes, we are heading in the right direction. And the funny thing that I keep on seeing whenever these conversations pop up is, for some reason, there's like an element of lamentation around this. Um, do you have uh, Do you have Daryl Summers' quote by any chance in in front of you? Do you have?
0: I have his uh, direct quote. Um, You could probably not get away with half the stuff you could on Hey Hey Now because of the political
1: correctness and cancel culture, and that's a shame. And that's the part where you lose me. Because uh, he's correct in everything that he says for the first 90% of that sentence. You could not get away with the things that they did get away with today because of the political Mm. correctness and the cancel culture. Both of which- are important things in today's media landscape and in a world where we're trying to create media that is inclusive and is not awful and racist and offensive. the The thing that I don't quite understand, and this is something that I see time after time, is that last little bit, which is, and it's a shame. I don't understand why more people don't go, yes, we couldn't get away with that anymore. How wonderful that we have moved so far. We've moved so far in a short space of time. This is our lifetimes. We were kids when we were watching this, and now we have grown to a completely different place. I don't understand what... When he says that's a shame, what is a shame about that? What What do you think, from his perspective, he is saying that the world is missing out on now? Like racist entertainment i think he's well
0: look i think it's probably a case of a lot of these people feel challenged you see a lot of older comedians uh lamenting the fact that their style of humor which made them quite successful and made them really popular is no longer successful or popular i think a great example of a show that went the other way uh is little britain And Little Britain obviously has a whole Mm -hmm. bunch of stuff in it that that you really go back
1: and watch. There's even, you know... I think they do a bit there was of blackface. Black- yep. there was uh, blackface. Yeah, there was blackface. Yeah, there was Bubbles Devere's friend who was um, who was blackface. Yeah, yeah. There's
0: a- a heaps of ableist humor in there as well. Uh, and David Williams, who's one of the two guys. It was Matt Lucas, David Williams. Uh, I hope he's I'm the tall one. He's, yes. Yeah. And
1: and actually, do you want? No, no, no. His real name is David Williams, and he changed it legally so that he could join the uh, Actors Guild. Uh, of England. because you've got to have your fake name. Well you've got to have you, you there can't be more than one person with any with a name in the actors guild in the UK and David Williams obviously a uh, very regular name so he changed it legally to David Williams. Yeah so- there you go. Well I've seen him make a number of
0: statements I don't have the exact quotes in front of me where he has talked about the fact that he wouldn't make Little Britain now and, mm-hmm. and not that he regrets it, it was what it was at the time, but he is happy that they can't go forward and continue to make humour like that. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I wanted to ask you, what shows do you think are on TV now that in 10 or 15 years we'll look back on
1: and go, oh, man, can you believe that that got airtime? I mean, it's, I, I don't have to scratch my head and think about it for too long. Last night, Ellie and I literally watched an episode of Maths where a guy <laughs> forcefully kissed a woman... Against her will, I don't need, I don't know why I'm saying a guy, Bloody Bryce from yeah. the radio industry, who you and I have both crossed paths with, and we spoke about this last week. I, that's a very, very clear example of something that I don't think will stand up in 10 years. And in fact, they're already looking at it now. I think that there's a petition for Australia's media watchdog to get involved because they're yeah. literally now airing, and we spoke about this last week, but things have escalated. They are literally now airing, I mean, Somebody forced salt. Essentially. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, 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 it's blown me away that that hasn't got more press coverage this week to be perfectly honest or that, or that we're, we're accepting of that, but I don't remember that. And obviously we were little children, but I don't Mm. remember that kind of outrage around. Hey, Hey, it's Saturday back in the day. And I grew up in a predominantly, you know, white cis environment. So it's probably not going to be pointed out that much anyway. Um, I want to further a conversation that we had last week just to wrap this story up, though, because we spoke about confronting your friends uh, or your peers around um, calling them out uh, either Mm -hmm. on racist or sexist behavior or or, or behavior that you don't think is appropriate. I wanted to ask how you do that when it's someone that you look up to or there is an age gap or a power imbalance in that relationship, because that, I think, adds a whole other level that
1: makes it even more challenging. So, yeah, is that in relation to the Daryl Summers situation? Like, do you think that if that was being made today, somebody should, have, should say something to him or do you think someone should have said something to him at the time? Or, or give me some, some context or an example of when that type of thing might happen.
0: I don't think necessarily at the time. I think now... Like if yep. someone, if, if you're talking to an older person in the workplace or say in a sporting team and someone makes a sexist remark or, or an ableist comment or a racist comment, um, how do you go about confronting that person? And I don't have an exact example to give mm-hmm. you, um, but I'm just curious to pick your brain because it, it, I would say that is far more challenging than confronting your peers.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. And, and you know, last week we did speak about this and um, I spoke about an example, a time in my life when um, I was doing work experience and somebody higher up in the organisation, I was doing work experience at Channel V and a well-known presenter um, came up to me and, and took me aside and called me out um, for using the word gay as an insult, which I was 15 at the time and we spoke about the fact that that was a learning moment for me. Um, and that's something that I have tried to uh, replicate when I have been working in different organizations, been working in radio in media, um, working in acting schools and stuff like that. It totally changes when the power dynamic is the other way and there is somebody higher up than you and this is where unfortunately there there is a, a big problem because uh, they're probably is a bit of a glut of what people would call dinosaurs in power who are a little bit out of touch. And I would really hope that if you, I mean, you said if it's somebody that you look up to, and I would hope that... if you really look up to somebody, an older person, a more experienced person um, in an organization, then hopefully part of them being someone that you look up to is them being uh, adaptive and understanding. So I think if you, the same thing, if you were to have a conversation and take somebody aside and say, hey, I just want you to know that this type of language is problematic now. Um, from my experience, uh, people like this can, uh, can be made to feel like this from it. I think that if you have the guts... And it is scary. But if you have the guts to have a serious conversation like that, where you don't do it in an aggressive manner, then most people are going to acknowledge that that's a big deal for somebody to do. And I I would hope that 90% of the time it would therefore be taken on board. But it's not something that I've done, called somebody out higher up than me. Um, Mm. I don't know if it's
0: something I've done either. I was just just reflecting on it because Daryl Summers... I'm not saying necessarily he's a personal mentor of mine. No, <laughs> but I can imagine but it was there is. It was a that's great I mean, show when we were c- kids. And he created it. He was I, I, from my from my understanding, he was the whole brains behind the operation and produced it all. And it, it's he wasn't wow. just an actor on it; it was his gig. Um, a great, uh, I just thought a great way to end this story is on <laughs> things that you shouldn't say now. I don't know if you saw this, uh, but the vice president of the Federal Liberal Party, uh, Tina McQueen, was talking to Liberal Party members earlier in the week. And she said she would kill to be sexually harassed at the moment. Fucking hell. (laughs) What?
1: I mean, what do you do? (laughs) do do? That's just the way... I don't know.
0: There is... I, is I think you hit on it at the start when you said that it's a great thing that we have progressed. And I don't think, uh, you know, this is, this is extreme recency bias, but I feel like as a society, we have progressed more in the past 10 years than in my lifetime at all. In terms yeah. of heading towards the right direction, we are flying <laughs> more on the path to use a to use an analogy that you often do. Yeah,
1: I think you're right. And I think that we need to, and I mean, you and I try to do it in this podcast and I know that you and I try and do it in our personal lives. I think we need to um, continue to promote a shift where the idea of being called out on something or the idea of having somebody um, help you learn and grow is a positive moment. Um, Like Mm. somebody showing Daryl Summers them ridiculing a black guy, painting him white and saying, now you're a real white guy. Uh, That's an opportunity for you to go, yeah, wow, that was a moment in time. We made a mistake. I'm going to be better now. I don't understand why people get presented with those moments and make the choice to try and dig their heels in further and say, well, that was great. And I want the world to stay like that because it's just not going to be the case. I think We all need to just open up our minds and go, okay, there's going to be times where maybe I do or say the wrong thing. And if I get presented with an opportunity to grow through that, I'm going to take it. That's what I try to do. And hopefully other people try to do it too. To his credit, Daryl Summers did apologise.
0: So, you know, hopefully he is as well. Maybe prior to that, he was looking at the show through rose-coloured glasses Mm. and forgot a lot of the heinous stuff. John Blackman, though, come on, man. Just get with the times. Get with the times or move on.
1: Story number two. My story this week, Nick, is a story uh, that's probably a smaller story in the news, but is a story that got me thinking about some bigger things. So, there's a bloke by the name of Dmitry Moscovitch. He is a 50-something-year-old. He's originally born in Russia, but he lives now in Australia in Bondi, right by the beach. And when the first lockdown happened back in March, the rules were all a little bit all over the place. One of the rules was that public gathering areas uh, were closed, and one of those was Bondi. But then another rule was that uh, you were allowed out of your home to exercise during the lockdown. So, Dimitri lives in Bondi, and he went for a run and a swim for his exercise at Bondi Beach. When he came out of the water, he was met by two police officers who didn't find him. They instead arrested him, and they did it very aggressively. And this was filmed, this act was filmed, uh, and that video went viral online. Dimitri is in the video, he's not resisting arrest. He's saying, I'm happy to come with you. He's in his swimmers, he's just being pulled out of the water. He's saying, I'll come with you, but please can you explain to me why am I being arrested? And he's asking politely, please don't put handcuffs on me, I'm happy to comply and come with you. And the cops do not listen to him. The cops throw him to the ground. One of them throws a super aggressive headlock um, and starts cranking on his neck. And you'd know, Nick, because we've been doing jiu-jitsu lately. It's, this, is not a, uh, this is not to incapacitate him. This is pulling as hard as he can on the neck, which just
0: hurts. It's painful. Mm.
1: Yeah. Um, and then the other one is tearing his arms, trying to get him into handcuffs. So, the case has taken a while to get to court, and this week uh, it's happened. And police have, before it's gone in front of a judge, dropped all their charges and agreed to pay Dimitri's legal fees of $25,000. And Dimitri is now also suing the police for unlawful arrest and assault, a case that he will 90%, he's going to win. He will win mm. because they've already essentially uh, admitted guilt. By dropping all of this, uh, they're trying to distance themselves. Now, I'm annoyed about this, and I'm annoyed about it for two reasons. One, because obviously there's there's very clear police brutality involved in this, and that's obviously bad. And the other is a question that I have for you. And the question is, so there's the $25,000 legal fees, and then there's whatever he sues them for. Let's call it $100,000. Who's going to pay that fine, Nick?
0: Well, theoretically, the people in New South Wales. So, the taxpayers in New South Wales, they fund the police force. So, I would assume either that or it's through revenue raising through speed cameras, which which is still
1: people's money.
0: (laughs) So, I, I understand. So, you're frustrated because you don't feel that the people should pay this.
1: Yeah. I want to have a conversation around the idea that in Australia, we have laws that essentially allow police um, to be, it's very hard for police to be indemnified in proceedings in Australia. And so in this situation specifically, we have a, let's call it $125,000 fine that will be going to uh, the state or New South Wales Police and therefore the state and therefore the people in the state. And the people who are responsible for that will not be fined at all, which are the two police officers who were involved. Hmm. Do you think that that's fair? Or do you think that police officers should be able to be sued personally if they're involved in a case like that?
0: I think it's really hard, and I'm, I will totally admit that I'm really ignorant Uh, to the laws around litigation involving police and things like that. But I think it's a pretty nuanced conversation. I'd like to first know what actions were taken against the officers, whether they were punished within the police force, whether they've been suspended, whether they've had to go through further training, whether they've had pay docked or things like that. Because I think it's important to understand that without going to litigation first. Mm -hmm. Although he has every right to sue the police force. Um, and, and it sounds like he has a really, really good case to potentially do it as well. I don't, I think it's hard because police officers don't earn a ridiculous amount of money. No. So theoretically one court case could bankrupt a a police officer personally and really ruin their lives. So, should they operate on a daily basis in a dangerous job, knowing if they stuff up slightly, it's in the hands of a court whether they, they have money ever again in their lives or whether they have to go in a situation where they're then bankrupted.
1: So, just to kind of explore that idea, because I like the way that you're laying it out. Let's say, let's say we do lay it out that's the way that it's working. A police officer is earning an average amount of money, let's call it $80,000 a year, and they could be sued for an amount that could potentially bankrupt them. Is mm. that a terrible thing? Because then would we have police officers who are much more careful about the way that they treat people?
0: But would they be overly careful? I mean, that's that's where I get concerned because I actually think that on the whole, we live in a fairly high-functioning society. And yes. part of a high functioning society is a is a is a high functioning police force. So if they I mean, you at the same time, and this is this is an individual case, you have a situation in North Queensland where people are angry at the police for for, for inaction for what they perceive as not enough action towards youth crime and, and crime in the streets. So would that create a situation where police actually fall into a, a situation where there is inaction because they're too scared to do anything. And I know that that's playing devil's advocate, but no, I think please. it's really hard
1: to find that balance. It's, it's an interesting dilemma, isn't it? Because we're not talking about bakers. If we were talking about people who run bakeries and we would go, okay, well, if there were less bakers, then people would have less bread and really that's fine and Mm. you would have to drive a little bit further to get your bread, or maybe you'd have to buy the home brand bread from Woolies. You couldn't get... But we're talking about something that is absolutely vital to the functioning of our society. If we don't have police officers, then society stops working. But if we do have police officers who don't have any penalties for totally incorrect behaviour, then you get a situation where police brutality starts to become incrementally more... Uh, normalized, and we have a really interesting uh, little future-telling uh, crystal ball, which is America, where you can see what happens when police brutality goes out, goes out the window and, and gets out of control. And I, I mean, those the protests that were happening, George Floyd having uh, a knee on his neck for I think it's about three minutes until he suffocated like, it can go down a really dangerous road. So I I'm- think
0: that's scratching the surface. I I I think you could... it. You have to look at it from how it's institutionalized as well and also the culture that exists. I would like to... I guess I'm less concerned about being able to sue individuals and I would be more concerned about creating a positive culture and a culture where people... Uh, don't feel apprehension around police. Like I, I guess I'm very fortunate in my life that I've never felt apprehension around police, and I've had run-ins with police, and even they were quite courteously handled. To be honest, like, and I know not everyone is fortunate enough to have those experiences. Yeah, there's a lot of I privilege would... in our
1: conversation right now.
0: We're exactly two, right, but I would guys, rather, yeah. yeah. I would rather see us move to a situation where everyone feels as comfortable as I do around police mm. as opposed to a situation where we're creating more division. If that, And I'm not saying that, that suing individuals would, but I just, yeah, I query it. I I, I wonder if there's maybe better ways to, to achieve the same goal.
1: I put this on our Facebook page on the Off Air Podcast community and I ran a poll and the question was, should you be able to sue a police officer personally? And 85% of responders said yes. 7% of responders answered no. And uh, when you run a Facebook poll, people can add new answers. And 7% of people, somebody created a new answer uh, where they wrote, fuck the police. And 7% of people <laughs> ticked that box, which I can't stop. Um, but that's a valid response. That's not Well, the way- I
0: think I, I would, I wonder how ironic
1: that yeah. response is. Yeah. <laughs> That's not what I wanted to know. But it is interesting, if we go back to the first number, 85% of people said, yes, they do feel that you should be able to sue a police officer personally, Um, Mm. which uh, for me personally, I think you should be able to. I think that um, assault is assault. And if you're assaulted by somebody, it doesn't matter what clothing they're wearing or what job they're doing at the time. Um, We got some interesting answers as well. Celia commented on it. She said, Surely the organisation slash police force should be responsible for the police officers. They should surely pick up when individual police officers are showing signs of snapping, taking things personally, lashing out. Clearly the culture of the organisation needs looking at if colleagues and supervisors aren't nipping negative behaviour attitude talk in the bud. And I think Mm. that that's a good point as well. The fact that what we're kind of doing is we're splitting hairs now and we're dissecting a situation that could have been prevented um, at an earlier point. So, the the answer maybe isn't one of these two things. The answer is earlier intervention and stopping these police officers from existing. I think there's a few angles towards it. and I've spoken to... Uh,
0: A few senior police officers in the past, uh, I've had senior police officers that have been family friends of mine. And a a comment that a lot of them also make is the fact that it is easier now to become a police officer than it was 20 or 30 years ago because there's a slight skills shortage in that area. But one of the other things they said is really curious is now you can go to university, you can study uh, criminal justice for X amount of years. I I can't, Mm. when I was... A 20-year-old, I think you had to do uh, six semesters, so three years. You had to have three years under your belt. And then you can immediately enter the police force. And they said, invariably, the better police officers actually come from people who were maybe a tradie for eight or nine years and then have decided to go to the police force and have more real-world experience and more experience talking to drug addicts and junkies and drug dealers and and. And everyday people and haven't been, I guess, institutionalized within the police force. They've lived a full life before joining it. And I think that I see a lot of sense in that too, because they bring a lot more common sense to the job then. what? Let me ask you a quick question without notice. Would you rather be able to
1: press charges on a police officer or sue them personally? Um... What's the difference? What I mean, I know what the difference is. Uh, so that there's a potential criminal proceeding compared to getting a financial reward out of it. Yeah, uh, I guess.
0: I guess. Would you rather
1: hurt them financially or hurt them oh, criminally? Um, I mean, I, look, when you say it like that, I don't want to hurt anybody. But I think <laughs> let's. So let's put myself in 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 a situation. Um, I have. I I was out on a night night out. Um. I get approached by a police officer and they're super aggressive and assault me. And let's say they break my arm when they're putting me into a paddy wagon and I'm um, trying to go along with it. Um, Like if I wasn't resisting arrest. Uh, Why do I need to choose one or the other? What do? you?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm just curious. I'm curious because I guess I think you would still end up suing the police force over the individual. Um, I had a mate who had his collarbone broken by a security guard in the valley about Mm -hmm. eight or nine years ago, and he didn't sue the individual. He sued the security company because the security company has public liability insurance. So, he could sue them for not just more, but he had a more realistic chance of actually physically getting that money.
1: Okay. That's interesting. I think that from a personal perspective, I would... Rather, there were the potential criminal proceedings brought against them. Um, or no, fr- no, the other way. If from where <laughs> I'm si- from, where I'm sitting now, I, lo- I think it's important that there are potential criminal proceedings if somebody behaves in a criminal way. But if it happened to me, I'd want that cash. <laughs> would you but would you care where the cash came from would you want th-
0: would you want it specifically out of their pocket or from the police force i
1: think i would I think you would want it from their pocket if it was possible yeah, because I think that it's important i think that's there is a level of justice being served, and we have a justice system for that reason um If somebody does something to you, I feel differently about the government just saying, oh, we're really sorry that happened, here's some money, as compared to somebody has to actually put in time and effort and hours to earn that money to then hand it back to you so that they learn a lesson. Remind me not to hit you, Tim Rubin. (laughs) Story number three.
0: Really cool day yesterday, Tim. It's been going on since 2009. I literally heard about it for the first time yesterday, but it was International Transgender Day of Visibility. Uh, We popped something. I saw you popped something up in uh, our private Facebook group and uh, a number of friends shared tiles about it on their social media. I thought it was really, really cool that this exists and I wanted to share a good news story around transgender inclusivity and then have a bit of a chat Ala hey hey, it's Saturday. About how our personal views have changed over the years. Okay. So first of all, the good news story is earlier this month, uh, the Sydney Uniting Church appointed their first ever transgender minister. So Joe Inkpen, uh, or Reverend Joe, uh, is now officially the first certified transgender minister in Australia, and as far as they're aware, uh, in the world. Uh, and if you don't know much about the Uniting Church. No, I it's, don't. I would say probably the most inclusive form of Christianity. Uh, it's, it's, it's a very inclusive church. So, it's certainly not the Catholic or Protestant. They are anymore.
1: literally uniting. Good for you. For exactly staying, right.
0: For, yeah, doing what the, it says on the label, uniting church. Um, but I thought it was just a, a fantastic moment. Uh, and they said, the, uh, sorry, uh, Reverend Joe said, there's a lot of joy coming uh, home, really. To a space uh, where I hope love and joy can flourish. And I thought it was a great example of further transgender inclusivity. Especially given when we were talking about TV in the first story. There was a show. I'm going to say within the... Uh, definitely within the past 20 years. Would you say within the past 15 years that was on Australian television? You're talking about there's
1: something about Mary? You
0: know I am.
1: There, you was know, it Miriam? Something about Miriam? Yeah, yeah about which mirrors. was
0: literally the Bachelor or the Bachelorette, but that but the, the 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 main character was transgender, and the men on the show had to discover that throughout the time the show was going.
1: Mm, mm. Yeah, I think that um, I, I mean, I feel the same way as I as I did in in story number one when we talk about that. I think when when we discuss that that was a part of mainstream media in what do you reckon 2000 and I, I would say five probably, I'd say yeah around I, there yeah. yeah I would say somewhere in that in that area um I think it's amazing like I think it's I I'm we all knew that that wasn't a right thing to do at the time I, and hmm. that was even different to um To Hey Hey It's Saturday. Well, at least from my perspective. From my perspective, Hey Hey It's Saturday. I was a tiny little kid. I didn't have a perspective on the world yet. I felt like there's something about Miriam. They were doing it to push people's buttons, and they did. But it still just managed to skirt by. And the fact that we can look back to... Because I think that we were probably young adults at the time. Yes. The fact that we can look back to where the world was when we were young adults compared to now where we're in our early 30s. It's not a huge amount of time. And to be able to see how far we've come, I'm happy to be able to do that. I'm sad that we were there, but I'm happy that we have grown this much.
0: Absolutely. I agree. I I will openly admit to me growing up, and I think our generation, transgender people were probably seen more as almost a gimmick or a, yeah, a like, plaything thing than a human being, if that makes sense. It was a joke around ladyboys in Thailand. Or... Exactly,
1: and it was a joke in movies like The Hangover, like, oh, yeah. it's actually a dude, and things like that. Um, and, and, yeah, I think the, the distance that we've travelled is great, and the tile that we, that, that we shared in the Facebook, um, in the off-air podcast group on Facebook, it has a really nice wording around it. It says, um, trans rights are human rights. And I think that that's mm. something that so many people forget is that we're not fighting for some, for some aspect of rights. We're fighting for people to have the rights that other people have. Yeah, that's, that's, I think that's, the that's point a great- the of the day.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really great point to make because I was trying to frame this in relation to the debate that used to happen more so than now around International Women's Day and around men saying, well, where's my day? and i think that you can look at it even more specifically with with uh, an international transgender day of visibility first and foremost they're not even like trans people are not even asking for a day they're just asking to be bloody seen as human beings it's a day of visibility but then secondly you hit the nail on the head the reason there isn't a cisgender day is because we're afforded all the rights all we, the time. We, we, are, we already have all the rights. We don't require a day to recognize that, that we aren't afforded rights. Yeah. So, I think it's really important to acknowledge that uh, a, a, and say that this is a fantastic thing and a fantastic opportunity to acknowledge that there is still a really long way to go uh, when it comes to transgender people.
1: Yeah, and Australia is doing better at it, but places like America... I mean, Donald Trump was really bad for transgender rights in the United States. Mm. Um, He changed the law, making it uh, illegal for trans people to serve in the military, which, uh, if we're talking about rights, the fact that you cannot work somewhere or be physically somewhere, I mean, that's, that's just... Incredibly black and white. How well?
0: I how- think even more than that, the fact that you can't defend a country you're proud of. Yeah, because the country is telling yeah. you you're not okay. <laughs> yeah, it's-
1: I've had a number of friends um, who have who have transitioned. My personal experience is probably similar to you. I think, like when I was growing up, um, it, it it was just something that maybe existed in TV's in TV shows and movies. And I'll be honest, um, and this is something that I'm not super proud of. I would say when I was like 20, I wasn't against trans the concept of a person being transgender, but I couldn't get my head around it. And I remember really seriously thinking, well, you can call a chair a desk, but it's still a chair. And that that was the way that my brain worked was, what are we doing here? Like, we're just calling something something else. Um, But as I've matured, well, I actually have gone through stages. So the next step after that was me just coming to terms with and this was through spending time with transgender people and in particular one of my friend's dads who i had grown Mm. up with um transitioned and uh i spent time with um, this person on both sides and they were the same person but they were living a different style of life and that was a point for me that i remember just going you know what I don't understand this, but I don't understand anything. Like, I don't understand w- Wi-Fi. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Uh, but that's not no. I say. do. I think but, but, that's a great point. <laughs> yeah, like you and I are in different states right now. I'm looking at you, and we're talking to each other. I don't know how this is happening. I don't yeah. understand. I mean, so so the idea that I need to personally comprehend everything for it to have a valid existence is just bullshit. That's just not mm. how the world works. I don't know how any I don't know how, I couldn't even make bread. You give me all the ingredients, I couldn't make bread. So, I'm using a lot of bread <laughs> <laughs> metaphors today. So then I went into probably the next stage which was I don't need to understand it. All I mm. need to know is that these are people and if and and this is their life and they're not asking anything of me. They're not asking anything at all. So no. So that was the next stage of probably my like acceptance and realisation. And then the latest stage, I think that I now have my head around it to a higher level. And that original metaphor that I said about you can call a chair a desk, but it's still a chair. Um, those are two physical things, whereas uh, gender is a total construct And the fact that I... I mean, you can see it everywhere. Like, you look at a group of women and they generally will all have long hair. Why? Where does that come from? It's just something that we decided at some point. Why do women wear shoes with heels on them? Because that's a part of the construct. Why do women wear skirts and dresses and men stereotypically wear shorts and pants? Because that's a part of the construct. And there are so many things that you can continue to add on to that. Um, The way that stereotypically men exist and behave in the world is different to the experience that women have in the way that women exist and behave in the world. And if somebody wants to switch, it is literally a made-up thing and it should be fluid and people should be able to make that decision and it shouldn't have anything to do with some, you know... shouldn't t- have anything to do with you no. or me. Yeah. I think that's the biggest
0: point that you're, that mm. you're making there is... Uh, you know, what do I care if someone wants to label themselves anything, and, and if that makes them feel comfortable, more secure in themselves, uh, or or wants to be anything, and that makes them feel more comfortable, more secure in themselves, happier in their life, mm. then that's fucking awesome. Like, go for it, man. I think that that's. I think. You and I are both circling around the same thing. And and I think it's that the more we have lived or the older we've gotten, the more you realize that you don't have a right or a say over anyone else's body or anyone else's position or anyone else's sexuality mm. and, and get over it. You
1: know, we're all just trying to find ourselves, really. Mm. Yeah, I think that we're moving in... Well, I we've kind of had a topic for this week, and we didn't even discuss it before or realize it, but I think the topic is we are moving in the right direction. And sometimes yeah. some of the topics that we discuss on this podcast can be a bit depressing where we go, wow, the government keeps raping people or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, and that's the government. And you can come away from it feeling like a little bit depressed. But I think that the moral of today is... There are a lot of things that we're moving in the right direction for. The fact that I saw the transgender uh, day tile being shared so predominantly on, on Facebook and Instagram and social media in general. I think that there has been a huge amount of movement.
0: picks. I think you might enjoy this. There's a really cool New Zealand crime drama on Netflix called The Golf. And uh, I started watching it two nights ago. I'm about five or six episodes in. But to be perfectly honest, it's just really cool to see a well-produced TV show in an accent remotely close to ours. Because Mm. I feel so devoid of good Australian drama (laughs) over the past
1: 10 years that it's just... Is is it called The Golf or The Gulf? Like, the...
0: like G U L F, the, golf. the like Gulf. Like a Gulf
1: of Water. Uh-huh. Okay. Not the golf, yeah. like like people who play a sport or a Volkswagen car. No, like the Gulf. Okay. <laughs>
0: the I, more you I, say I, it, I, I did, can't
1: hear the difference.
0: <laughs> yeah. No. I, I, I think it's one of those words that could go either way. Okay.
1: <laughs> the golf and it's good. The golf. And it's, it's kiwi. Good.
0: It is. It remind you know what it made me think of, which made me a little bit sad? is I feel like New Zealand is heading more and more as a country because we're both very new countries. New Zealand is heading more and more towards almost a Scandinavian-esque presence and Australia is moving more and more towards an American American. presence. And I would much rather be over the other side.
1: (laughs) Did you see this week that New Zealand have uh, passed through parliament um, uh, miscarriage leave? If you have a I miscarriage, did. you're allowed to, as a, as a law, any company, you're allowed to have leave. Which and I don't like, know so if- Of it, course, so you should.
0: Yeah, it's absolutely fucking incredible. And I don't know if you're aware, Tim, but the uh, current Australian government is trying to pass through laws to allow women who have been in domestic violence situations access to their super so they can rob themselves of their
1: future as oh, opposed to God. getting support. So. When, when, you were, when you started saying that sentence, I, I was—I had to hold myself back from making a joke and saying women who have experienced domestic violence in Australia should be fined, and it's pretty and much that's that. basically <laughs> it. It's basically just it. Their, okay. it's not fined; just their futures are being fined, Tim. So. It's a gaping <laughs> chasm, isn't it? Okay, um, my sad. my nitpick, you'll. You're going to like it and you're going to hate it at the same time because that's how I felt about it, I think. I've um, It is a, a new documentary that's come up on Netflix. It's called Sea Spiracy. Have you heard about this?
0: No. What is it? Is it COVID? Is it No, uh, no, oh, no. Good. Sorry.
1: C as in S-E-A, like the ocean. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yep. And it's basically a documentary about the fishing industry internationally. And uh, if you enjoy eating fish... You may enjoy eating fish less. It's And that's because we feel so good about eating fish. We're always like, oh, it's a healthy alternative. It's not as bad as eating cows or whatever. And it's like, Mm. it's so bad. It's so, like it's just, like, the, you, you get to a point, I don't want to do spoilers, but you get to a point, like, they, they go through the mercury, they go through the overfishing, they go through the killing of all the phytoplankton and wiping that out and how then we're going to run out of oxygen. And then it keeps on going and going and, you know, whales and the plastic and the turtles. And And then eventually you get to a point where now they're looking at the human trafficking that needs to take place to support the fishing industries because oh fish is so God. cheap. And you're like, oh, God. It just can't get any worse. There are people, Nick, because fish is so cheap. And how is it cheap? Because it's so hard to get. Like they have to put people, like boats need to go out for huge periods of time. Mm. The way that that's supported now is they literally capture people in Thailand and force them to live and work on the boats for over 10 years at a time. They never get to leave or sea dry land. And if they want to, they throw them overboard and kill them. Oh,
0: good. Oh, that's... Jesus, Tib. So yeah, it ne- gets it's... so dark. Next time you're having so your John you West it... tuna, just... <laughs> just... Oh, what a, it's like a real... Just the saddest gonna, thing feel. I've ever experienced in my life uh, on a environmental level, just quickly, was I, I was fortunate enough to go over to Hawaii with my fiancé, Jazz. And we were in a place called Waimea Bay, which is a really famous surf break. And it was flat, so I was snorkeling and a, a green turtle came up to me. And I was swimming oh, wow. with it for like 25 minutes and it was incredible. Uh, Jazz had diarrhea, so she was on in the toilet. Side note, just wanted to drop that in. Uh, but anyway, I'm following this beautiful turtle, and you know you can't touch them or anything like that. You're not allowed to touch them. It's illegal.
1: Uh-huh.
0: I've followed this turtle probably about three meters down underwater and gotten to the bottom, and as I'm watching it reach the bottom, it comes down, goes up to a receipt, and starts eating the receipt. And I... <laughs> it's just like we are the worst we are the worst people <laughs> <laughs> plus then i couldn't return my pants <laughs> No, <laughs> <6K> <laughs> was. it wasn't. My yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, and it was probably it wasn't my receipt. It was probably like some petrol receipt or something. So it's yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, something else. <laughs> Finding Nemo DVD Blu-ray special. <laughs> All right, Nick. Thanks for hanging out with me for another week. Those are our three topics explored. Uh, if you're hanging out with us and you want some more off-air than you're currently getting, we have a Facebook page. It is cool. It's a group, actually. It's not a page. It's a private group. Um, you can apply to be in it. Just search Off Air Podcast Community in your Facebook browser and you can get involved and talk to us about the different topics because we post about them all throughout the week. Um, thanks for hanging with us. We'll catch you next week and have a great Easter. Bye.
0: Yeah, have an awesome Easter. Enjoy it.
1: You've been listening to Off Air. Remember to like and subscribe.
0: People are entitled to the
1: sexual proclivities.